And so let's start in verse 3. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us on us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of glory of His grace. And so the first point uh, I want to stress is God's supreme, God is the supreme blesser. God is the supreme blesser. The, the title, as you can see on the screen, is Supreme Blessedness. And we, we hear this uh, saying in the Beatitudes that it's a, a supreme blessedness. Those, uh, the Beatitudes, those who are poor in spirit, right, are blessed. Uh, uh, the, the meek shall inherit the earth, right? Uh, those uh, blessed things that God gives through uh, His Spirit to the believers, uh, we are supremely blessed by the supreme creator uh, who, is, who is God. And so he starts out, like I just said, with a, with a praise to God, a eulogy, uh, a message of praise, accommodation, a declaration of a person's goodness. And so a lot of times we, we think about people that we love in our life and that have, uh, have loved us and done many uh, good things in our life. And we're like, we're so thankful for uh, that person in our life. And, you know, we, we, we might sing about a person or, or thank a person. Uh, but ultimately, uh, for the believer, the believer looks to God and ultimately God the Father as the one who deserves all the praise and all the glory, ultimately, superiorly. And so the, the Bible says that there is no one good except God alone. No one is good. No one is uh, good but God, Jesus says. Uh, as the rich young ruler comes to him and he says, Good teacher, how may I inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus says, Why do you call me good? No one is good for, uh, except for God alone. And what he's basically saying, he's saying, um, Why do you think that I'm good. Uh, he's not saying that he's not God. He's, this is sometimes people will say, "Well, this is Jesus uh, uh, referring that he's not God." He's he knows this man's coming to him, uh, seeing him as a human being, and he's saying, "Good teacher, how may I inherit eternal life?" And he's stressing the point: there is no one good, truly holy, good like God alone. Okay, and so you might see people do good things, uh, morally good. Right, as people who help one another or love one another, um, and and sacrifice themselves uh, to do something good. Even unbelievers do technically morally good things, but there is no one like God. Uh, the goodness and the purity and the holiness of, of God. Uh, the Bible stresses that point. And so James verse one uh, uh, seventeen says, "Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation." Or shifting shadow. Like God is truly the only holy and perfect good God. And so uh, goodness is God's nature. It's, it's who He is. And He not only does good things, but is good in a way and to a degree that no human being except His own Son, His own incarnate Son, Jesus Christ, can be. Excuse me. <coughs> so only Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, God incarnate, God in human flesh, the God-man, He perfectly represents God the Father. So when we, um, when we read in the pages of Scripture through His Word, but when He walked and talked and moved about the earth in His, in his earthly ministry, uh, from the moment of, of birth to the, to the moment of death, people looked into the face of God. The Bible says that He is God with us, Emmanuel. And so everything that Christ shows us, everything He shows us perfectly, the Father. Jesus Christ is the perfect image of the invisible God. 
So when we look into the face of Jesus Christ, we see perfectly the Father. We see perfectly who He is. All right? And so um, nothing is more appropriate for the believer than to bless Him for His supreme goodness. Nothing is more appropriate. And so um, you look, um, before you were saved, before you truly knew Christ, before you were born again, um, you didn't give glory to God, did you? Um, you might have like gave glory to yourself. I did that. Look what I've done. This, that, and the other. And you, you never really truly were like, um, it's ultimately, I am who I am because, because of God, right? I, I, it, this work you saw me do or this, this good thing that you like about me, right? I give glory to God for that. Why? Because I know that apart from God, I can't do anything good. It's impossible for me to do anything good. So if you see me do this, and you're like, oh, that is, that is awesome, that is great, that is good, what is immediately the first response for a believer? Glory to God, right? I want to praise and glorify God. That is not from me. That doesn't come from my flesh. Right? This is uh, God gets the glory for all of these things. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we don't receive the praise for ourselves. We give it away knowing that it's God who deserves that praise. And so number two, the blessed ones, the believers, who has blessed us. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. And so who are the the blessed ones? We are the blessed ones. Uh, The believers, those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Unbelievers are not blessed, they're cursed. They're the opposite of blessed. They are cursed. And we were once cursed before God made us alive together with Christ. And, and so we can't, uh, you can't take the letter of Ephesians. You can't take this letter who is uh, uh, God and, and, and Paul and, and the Holy Spirit is writing this letter to believers and it's addressed to believers. So an unbeliever can't read uh, the book of Ephesians and say, um, oh, that's for me. That pertains to me. See, I'm blessed. God loves me. If they're outside of Christ, that's not the case. Um, they're condemned. Um, they're a child of wrath like the rest of mankind, just as we were child of wrath, wrath like the rest of mankind. And, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which He loved us, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved and seated us in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And so therefore, we give praise and glory to God right, for what He has done, and He has blessed us. Right? We are the, the blessed ones. And so that is only for saints. Just like I said, uh, what's a saint is a set-apart one, one who has been set apart by God through faith in Jesus Christ, given the righteousness of Christ, our sins forgiven, uh, and, and now we have uh, this new uh, stature. We have this new identity. Um, the world is looking for an identity. They, the world has an identity crisis. Like, I don't know who I am. And they're trying to, they're trying to figure out who they are. And so as they're trying to figure out who they are, like men or, or boys are trying to be women and women are trying to be boys. And, and the world's telling them, you can be whatever you want to be. And so even if, you, if you're a girl, you can be a guy if that's what you want, right? Or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, there are people in this world who their identity is their job. Their identity is, is what they do for a living or their identity is tethered to uh, some system of belief, right? But ultimately... God is the one who created all things. He is the creator of all human beings. And He has stated and said what we are and who we are to be. And so uh, it shows that the believer um, is not, I'm sorry, the unbeliever is not truly worshiping God and being obedient to God. Uh, He is worshiping the creation, 
rather than the Creator. And because uh, the unbeliever is worshiping the creation rather than the Creator, uh, God gives them over to a debased mind that would not to be done. Right? And so they're darkened in their understanding. They're darkened to the things of God. And so they start believing these lies. And they start propagating these lies. And they fall into all types of, of grievous sin and, they, and debauchery and, and, and immorality and, and idolatry and all of these things. And we were once there. We can't say, well, thank, thank the Lord, you know, that like I was raised in church and thank, you know, but we were all once there at one time to a certain degree, one way or another. All right. And so, but praise God, see how I just keep on going back to praise God. I'm not where I could be because I know who I was before Christ saved me. I know what my thinking was like. No, I didn't know until God made me alive together with Christ. I was able to look at myself and go, Wow. My eyes have been opened to who I really am and who the holiness of God is. And I know now, really know, truly know that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. And that he, he eternally existed with the Father and the Spirit. And He came into this world to save me, a sinner. And He's provided everything necessary to be, for me to be reconciled to God. And now I realize that how I've been living my life, how I've been thinking, how I've been... All the things, my literally my central brain, my brain didn't function correctly. But then, in His grace and His mercy, He gave me the mind of Christ. Right? He made me alive. He put His Spirit inside of me that revealed to me, wow, I was lost, but now I'm found. Right? I was blind, but now I can see. I was, I was dead, and now I'm alive. And this is completely all by the grace of God. This happens, and we'll get into that next week, according to the purpose of God's will. According... Uh, According before the foundation of the world, God chose a people whom He would reconcile to demonstrate His glory, to demonstrate His grace, to the praise of His glorious grace. And so we don't take glory for ourselves. We didn't say we made a better decision. We don't sit here and say, well, because I prayed this prayer or I did this thing or I walked an aisle or I did whatever. Right? Yes, we we responded to the gospel. We we literally made a decision for the gospel. We truly did. But the only reason why we truly made a decision to believe in Christ and repent of our sins is because God made us alive to do that. He regenerated us. Regeneration precedes faith. He made us alive. And then repentance and faith flows from that regeneration. And so every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places has been given to us. The the next uh, part of that verse. With every spiritual blessing. So blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has... Remember, has, past tense, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Key word, you see it there, has and every, right? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. As we were talking earlier, um, I'm convicted of these, of these things, right? That um, how I pray doesn't usually line up with uh, a theological accuracy. Usually... Um, I tend to pray, God, give me strength, right? Uh, I'm confessing that there are times when I'm like, God, please give me peace, right? But the Bible says, the Word of God, I'm confessing to you that I'm praying in a way that is not in, in accordance with Scripture. He's given me and you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and there's, there's nothing that He can't give us. He's already given us everything in Christ. It's all been given to us. He's not withholding anything from us. It's, it's now been given to us. Every spiritual blessing. Okay? And so the word used for spiritual in the, in the Greek, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this word up, 
um, pneumatic, uh, pneumaticos, right? And it is used in relation to the work of God, the Holy Spirit. And so spiritual. And so if you do a word study on spiritual, you, you open up like a, a program like Blue Letter Bible, and you look at a particular word and do a word study, and it shows you in the Greek. It's really cool because it'll show you like everything in Scripture where that word's used. And it gives you a better understanding of, you know, when the word spiritual is being used, what does it actually mean? It's not like the world thinks about being spiritual. Um, and so there is a biblical meaning for that word spiritual. So Paul is referring to the divine origin of the blessings. It refers to the source, not the extent of the blessing. So he's referring to the divine origin, where it originates of that blessing. It's not referring to uh, the extent of that blessing. And so many Christians pray for more love, like I told you, uh, more joy, more peace, and more happiness, and more strength. But God has already given us everything, every spiritual blessing. And so just as I uh, talk about the G.I. Joe analogy, right? And it's funny, I know, and it's kind of cheesy, but it's just, man, it just comes to my mind. And like, I wasn't a big fan of G.I. Joe, Joe growing up. I mean, I watched it as a kid, but it just makes sense. You know, and, and just like I had said last week about how they had the little mini infomercials, you know, between uh, the commercials. And you have this uh, public service announcement from the G.I. Joe character. And you got kids playing in the kitchen and there's something on the stove and then there's a grease fire. And then all of a sudden a fire breaks out over this grease fire and then one of the kids gets a pot of water and starts to throw it over the grease fire and G.I. Joe, one of the characters comes in and he says, no, don't do that. You know, use a fire extinguisher or, you know, cover it with a blanket. And that's the way to do it to, to not prevent that fire to spread everywhere. And the kids are like, I didn't know that. And he says, knowing is half the battle, right? And so what the Apostle Paul is doing right here, he's, he's giving us God's view and he's telling us this is, is such an amazing truth, right, that, that mere human people outside of the Spirit of God can't comprehend what, what Paul's saying right here. He's saying that the God who created everything, the God who made everything with His Word, created you, created me, and He gave us Christ as a gift. And He gave Him to us and made us alive. And He's given us everything. And now He commands us, to follow Christ, to be obedient to Him. To, Jesus says, come follow me. And that following, that obedience is obedience. Believing in Jesus is, is synonymous with obedience. When we say, believe in Christ, repent of your sins, believe the gospel, believe in Jesus Christ, do what He's commanded you to do. People are like, well, that's works. But as you read the scriptures, you see that Jesus is commanding people. He commands people to turn from their sin and then turn to Him for salvation. And, and when he make, Jesus makes that person alive, He saves them from their sin, and the Spirit of God comes to live inside of that believer, now the believer can and does have the power to be able to live a righteous life. And, and you might say, well, you know, we're not perfectly righteous. And I, and I say, yes, we're not perfectly righteous. But the Spirit of God has been given to us to empower us. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same Spirit that now lives in our bodies. And so now we've been empowered to put to death the flesh and to live in newness of life. And this is what He does. And, he, and he, why did He do it? Because you made a decision? Because you, you, you thought up a better way? Or do you think it was because... You were smarter than the next guy is because he saw you sit up out of the pew or take a step and then he looked down the corridor of time and said, oh, I see that they're going to choose me, so I choose them back. You never find that anywhere in Scripture. God does this to demonstrate His gracious 
great grace and his um, his salvation uh, that comes through Jesus Christ alone. God is responsible for salvation, 100%. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's how people are saved. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, sins, unable to come to Christ on ourselves. Right? And the Bible says, and we'll talk about this next week, that the Father draws, and He grants salvation, and He draws people to Jesus Christ, those whom He chose before the foundation of the world. And when Jesus came into the world, He lived a perfect righteous life to apply that righteousness to them, and He gave up His life as a sacrifice to die on the cross to pay for our sins. Right? And that, everything that Christ has purchased has now been given to us. Everything that's Christ. Christ Jesus is seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And you know what Ephesians says? That we too are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's our, that's our citizenship. We, have, we are a citizen of heaven at the same time that we're a citizen in the world at this very moment. And that's what He's given to us by His grace. And so we pray uh, for, for love. We pray for peace. We pray for joy and happiness. And we pray for strength. Uh, we pray for love, but it, uh, Romans 5.5 5 says the love of God has been, has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us at the point of regeneration, at the point that God made you alive together with Christ. That's when the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you and to seal you to the day of redemption. That is a done deal and we're going to get into that in the next few verses coming down the road. And some people will pray for peace. John 14.27 Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. People pay for joy and happiness. John 15, 11 says, these things I have spoken to you so that my, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. People pray for strength. Philippians 4, 13, the verse that takes, gets taken out of context all the time and I did it as a new believer. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's given us everything, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He is not withholding anything from us. Second Peter 1.3 says, For His divine power has granted to us everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. It's not that God will give us, it's that God has already given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's already given it to us, just like the G.I. Joe, right? Knowing is half the battle. Now that you know that He has given you everything, you can't use the excuse, I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. I don't have the joy. I don't have the peace, right? That's unbelief, right? It's unbelief. It's unbelief thinking that God is withholding you from, and when He says in His Word, He's given you everything pertaining to life and godliness, right? And so we must repent. Even as believers, I have to repent. I had to repent the other day and say, I need to get my theology correct with the Word of God. Ephesians has taught me something that I'm not praying in a way that's consistent with the Word of God. And I have to confess that to God and say, God, I'm going to trust what your Word says. You've given me everything in Christ. And so, praise the Lord for that. Um, we are complete in Him, Colossians 2.10 says, And in Him you have been made complete, and He is the head over every rule and authority. God cannot give us more than He has already given us in His Son. He's given us His Son. And so everything that Christ is and everything that Christ has, we're co-heirs with Christ. Seated in the heavenly places with Christ. My brain still doesn't fully comprehend that. And I know yours doesn't either. And I know there, is great, there are great theologians and great preachers who will not try to even go into that. 
It says what it says, and I believe what it says, and that's the case. And so that is a tremendous blessing. That, that's what he's given us. And so what, as I'm talking to you and I'm preaching to you, like I'm, I feel like I'm going to like fly out of my chest over here because it's like, why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm with Paul, right? And, and he's looking at, he's, he's praising God and he's just this eulogy and he's, he's giving us this biblical truth while he's singing to God. And so here's the thing. Are, do you sing to God? Right. And I, I don't have a good singing voice. Like I don't like I don't I don't have a good singing voice. But but the thing is, is like, do you praise God? Right. Are you in the car going, you know, God, thank you. You know, all of a sudden God reveals to you how good he's been to you. And like I'm reminded every morning I, I woke up today. I woke up today and God, you woke me up today. And, and, and I'm reminded of his goodness. And I, I, I drive the work in the dark most of the year. And I'm driving to work in the dark and I'm going down this twisty road and it's a 40 minute drive. And I see all these deer shooting out around me and, and animals coming in front of me and trees falling in the road as I go to work. And uh, snow and ice and all of these uh, things that, that come about. And when I get to work, I take this five to ten minute time again to pray to God. And I look at it. There's a star that I look at. I'm not praying to the star. I'm not a star gazing worshiper. But I'm like, to the God who made that ball of fire in the sky that I can see. And it's above this tree just to the right. And then depending on the year, time of the year, it moves, right? And I'm like, the God who created everything, right, loves me, right? And he's given me all of these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And there are times when I'm like, I, I'm like, I got to stop crying. Like, because I get out of the car because there's a bunch of dudes I work with and they're going to think I'm a wuss, right? <laughs> and then, so I got to get my mind right to get to work. But at the same time, I'm walking in and I've got this smile on my face, usually. It's cold and, it's, and, and the wind's been really harsh this past couple of days. But the, don't, no matter what I'm going through at work, I have this foundation that the creator of, of the heavens and the earth, the God of all creation, the one who I was hostile to, the one I was an enemy to, the one who rightfully d- d- should condemn me to hell, sent his son into the world to be the propitiation of my sins. And so nothing that comes my way that day should throw me off track because I'm like, I've got everything. I've got everything. And so when we read the scripture and we believe the scripture, it makes our hearts sing. And, it, and we're like a ball of fire. It's, it's, we just like I am right now. I feel like it's not the Herbie Mate. It's the spirit of God. And he's, he's, he's making me praise him. And I want to, okay. Unbelievers don't do this. Unbelievers don't do this. They can't do this. They have no desire to. They hate God. They're at war with God and they're hostile to him. They don't know the joy. They don't know the peace. They don't know the love of God because it has yet to been poured out in their hearts. And I sympathize with unbelievers and I'm burdened for the unbelievers. And I know that I must go to them because, yes, I'm a Calvinist, but, but God has commanded us in Scripture to go preach the gospel because His sheep are out there. And it's a guarantee when the gospel is preached and they hear the gospel of their salvation, they will be saved. There's a guarantee. God guarantees it. So evangelism is absolutely 100% a guarantee of success because when we preach the gospel, God's going to do with what He wants to do with His gospel. Either it will be He will receive glory for those who will be condemned righteously and justly for their sin and He'll display His wrath upon them or He will save them through His Son by grace through faith in Him and then it will be all to the praise of His glorious grace. And so this is not a future promise but a current possession This is the possession that we have in Christ right now. Paul explains this in this way in Ephesians. 
We've been, I've said it again, and I've said it a few times, we've been raised, we've already been raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The location of that blessing, in the heavenly places. All right? The heavenly places encompass the entire supernatural realm of God. Christians have a dual citizenship, and we are citizens of not only the earth, but more importantly, heaven. We are citizens of heaven, and we are citizens of the earth at the same time. Uh, Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not our home. It's our temporary home right now. But our permanent home is with Him in the heavenly places. And that's what we, we, we eagerly look forward to. That's our hope. We have a living hope. It is a sure hope. Jesus Christ is in the heavenly places. Our citizenship is with Him. We're seated in the heavenly places with Him. And that's where I'm going. And I know when I die, I don't have to fear death. Why? Because that's where I'm going to be. It's a sure thing. 100%. I know. If Christ Jesus died for my sins, and I believe that He has, guess what? It's signed, sealed, delivered. I'm going to be with Him. Yes, I believe that. I believe that you can't lose your salvation because it's been purchased through the perfect work of Christ. So, we are citizens of God's dominion. Unlike unbelievers, we can, we can, uh, unlike unbelievers, we can understand spiritual things, things that the natural man does not accept. 2 Corinthians 14 says, But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. How many times have you talked to a person about spiritual matters and they look at you like a deer in the headlights, don't know how to respond? I talked to a brother at the abortion mill uh, a couple weeks ago, and he says, I'm having such a hard time finding people who I can have spiritual conversations with. Just to talk about the simplicity, just the, the simple gospel, to rejoice in the glory of God, and to have these conversations that we do when we're out there on the sidewalk, and he's saying, I'm struggling, brother. Please pray for me that, that I'm able to find some brothers and sisters in Christ that I can have some spiritual conversations with. That's scary. That's, that's pretty scary that he's not, he doesn't have that, right? But praise God that we do right here. I mean, we just spent like two hours, right? Uh, we just spent two hours talking about spiritual, many spiritual things, how awesome God is and in, in, in working out these different theological, uh, these truths and, and these things that we're concerned about. And we care about those things and it matters to us. And we're, why? Because we understand spiritual things. We have the mind of Christ and that has been given to us by God. At that very time, Luke 10:21, this is uh, at that very time he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit, speaking of Jesus, and said, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for doing so was well pleasing in your sight." We also see in the Scripture that it is God who withholds these spiritual blessings from the unbeliever. And that brings glory to Him. It is pleasing to God to reveal them to the foolish, to, to the sinner, to the, to the one whom He has chosen before the foundation of the world. Unworthy sinners, He's revealed them to me. And that was His gracious will. And you, you see that in, in 1 Corinthians 18-31. It's a, it's a longer passage of Scripture. But it's one that I heard um, Pastor Vodibacham preach on. And um, you remember this, uh, it was the, the wisdom of our foolish gospel is the, is the sermon, and it was powerful. And you could see in verse uh, 18, it says, um, sorry, yes, uh, verse 18, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, 
but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brother, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus. By his doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God in righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the Father's doing. We're in Christ because of the Father's will. It's because he did it. It's because he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And everything that Christ is, Everything that Christ is, the wisdom of God and the righteousness and the sanctification and the redemption, that's all been applied to us. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is now ours, given to us as a gift through the redemption that's in Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Amen? amen. Oh, we might cut that on the audio there. I think there was an amen. Yeah, awesome. And so Jesus Christ is Lord of all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says in Matthew 28, go therefore. Now, let me pause for a second. Do you know that many times this verse has, has been quoted and they don't say all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. They just say, go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? And then they say, remember Jesus is going to be with you even to the end of the age. And I even, um, by, by fault of my own, my flesh, last week quoted the scripture and had to go, I'm sorry, I missed a little part. Because we're so used to hearing um, preachers say, go make disciples, guys. Come on, you got to go make disciples. Go do it. Come on, you got to do it. Don't you want to do it? Right? And they forget to say, all authority. Jesus said this. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, has said and commanded us the great commission. I'm telling you, I'm commanding you, I'm commissioning you, me, the creator of all things, the one who spoke everything into existence, I am Lord of all, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And because of that, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, as I stress that point, all authority is Jesus, and He's commanded us to do it, so that if we don't do it, we're disobedient. We never want to be disobedient, right? But that makes a big difference. When we're just like, oh, I just don't really feel like it, right? I just don't feel like it. it's kind of inconvenient for me to go make disciples. It's kind of inconvenient to me. But when Jesus commands us to, the, the believer says, ah, I, I want to do, out of a heart of love for Jesus, I want to do what he says, right? I want to 
do what he says. His commands are not burdensome to me, right? And so, yes, there are times that our flesh gets the better of us and, and, and we're tempted by our flesh and we don't do what we know the Spirit is, uh, is, is convicting us to do or uh, uh, encouraging us to do. And we choose, just like the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5, uh, that we, we choose to walk according to the flesh and, instead of according to the Spirit. And that's a whole other theological conversation uh, that we have to dive into at some point in time. But that's the life of a believer, that we have to put to death the deeds of the body and live in obedience to Jesus Christ. And it is possible. Why? Because God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has blessed us. He has given it to us. So we have no excuse uh, as believers. And He has given us the Holy Spirit. That's why He can say, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is not far, far off. Jesus is not so far off that you're like, I feel like I, I can't even reach you. Like you're just, He is in you as a believer. And that's something that me and Leah have talked about. And she says, I never really, I never heard that growing up in church, that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. It's, it's a whole different aspect when you do things uh, according uh, to religion. Do this, do that. This is what God's commanded you to do. The unbeliever can't do it, nor does he want to do it. He's got to be born again. He has to be born again. You don't want to do what God says to do. Everything that God says to do, you do the opposite. Until what? God turns you around, makes you alive together with Christ, and now your, your disposition, your mind, your, your, your spirit, your heart, and everything now wants to obey Christ out of love. That's regeneration. That's the new birth. That's what happens when God saves a person. Because Christ has all authority in the heavens and on the earth, Christians by way of sonship have been given the authority to proclaim the gospel. So some people say, well, who are you? Who are you to be out here yelling, right, and saying all the things? Only God can judge me, right? You know, who are you? Uh, you know, you're just a nobody. And I'm like, yeah, I know, yeah, I am a nobody. Yep, uh, in my flesh, but I am a somebody because I'm a chosen son of God. God loves me. According to this world, I am a nobody. I'm the foolish of this world. I am. According to my flesh, I am the foolish of the world. I was dumb and stupid and sinful and arrogant and proud and all of those things. There's so many things that I've done in the flesh. And yes, absolutely, 100%. But according to God, I'm a co-heir with Christ. According to God, I am His son, adopted son, and you are His adopted sons and daughters. So according to God, it's a much different story, right? And so we have been given the authority by Christ to proclaim the gospel and the excellencies of Christ. We've been given the authority to baptize believers and teach all the nations to obey Christ's commands. That's been given to us, right? Some people are like, you have no authority to do that. Or they give all the authority to only the pastor or only the particular preacher and say, well, we're going to bring him to the preacher. We're going to, we're going to bring him to this elder to, to share him you know, the gospel or spiritual things. Christ has commanded every believer. He's commanded you to make disciples, whether that be your children in your house or your friends or your co-workers or your other distant family members. He saved you to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim His excellencies, to baptize believers, um, and to teach them to obey Him. You know, uh, when we preach the gospel, one of the things I say out of Acts, um, I say uh, what the Apostle Paul says, um, that God has fixed the day when He will judge the world in righteousness. He has fixed the day when He will judge the world in righteousness. Every single human being will stand before the throne of God and be judged. Do you want to be standing in your sin? Do you want to be standing with a debt that you 
are going to have to pay. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And that doesn't mean that you die and it's lights out. There's no annihilationism. We're not Jehovah Witnesses like we were talking about earlier. It is an eternal separation from God where you are completely aware of everything that's going on and you are completely aware of, this, of, of who God is, who you are, and how you rejected Christ and you will suffer for eternity. And that's not meant to scare you. That's just what the Bible says. It says that there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and we are aware and we will be eternally aware and we can't even imagine what that would look like. And guess what? For, as believers, we won't ever have to face that. But what breaks my heart is knowing that there are unbelievers out there. There are people who have not placed their faith and trust in Christ. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. There's no fear of God before their eyes. They think it's foolishness. They think the preaching that we preach, they think it's foolishness. Why would you, you can go preach? Come on, you're just El Pastor Salvador. You just go out there and you just run your mouth. I preach God's gospel and it is the power of God for salvation. That's why we do it because I know because when I heard the gospel of my salvation, I believed in him and I was made alive and I want other people to be made alive. If you don't know him, you don't care, but you care because God has poured out his Holy Spirit in our hearts and we want to glorify him. We want to preach him. We want to tell the world about him. So it matters to us. And so Romans 8, 14 through 17 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We are able to pray to God the Father as our, I don't like the word to use the word, but it's, it's, this is what the word means. Abba, Father means Daddy. Um, we love him and we know that he loves us. And we know that there is, in the beginning of Romans 8, um, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as we pray to the Father and we cry out to the Father, he loves us and we know that he does. We know that he does. And the Spirit himself that has been put in us testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. There it is again. If indeed we suffer with Him, so that way may, we may also be glorified with Him. There's that suffering. You see, we've been given this tremendous blessing and this tremendous gift of salvation. We have dual citizenship. Our, we are seated in the heavenly, place, heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. If you identify with Christ and you have union with Christ and everything that Christ is, Everything that, that he has is now yours, but also Christ suffered. And we are also going to face suffering because if we identify with him, then we're also going to identify with him in his suffering. We will be persecuted. So 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Last point, and I'll keep it short. In Christ. You see, Paul uses in him, in him, in Christ over and over and over again. And when you see something repeated like that, you got to pay attention to it in Scripture. And he does it so much, it's, it's hard to, in him, in him, in him, in him. What does that mean? Right? It's the doctrine of union. Every, that's what I've been talking about the whole time. Everything that is Jesus is now belongs to you, now belongs to you. Everything that, everything that Christ is, who he, who, uh, what he's accomplished is now given to you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places you are not void of anything he's given you himself all that the lord has 
those in Christ have. Okay? Do you believe this? <laughs> At 1 Corinthians 6.17, But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Christ's riches, his resources, his righteousness, his power, his position, what he is we are and what he does we do. Okay? And so if we're children of the devil, we're going to do things that the devil does. The devil's a liar. The devil's a murderer. The devil hates God and, and we're going to identify with the devil if we're not believers. You're going to know them by their fruit. And that's where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees in, in John chapter 8. I let, read it last week. And he says, you follow your father, the devil. You don't, you don't listen to God the Father. You don't listen to my father. If you truly love the Father and you are truly His, you would be doing the works of God. You, you would be doing what He commands you to do, but you don't. You follow your father, the devil. And just like in Ephesians 2, it says that that's who we were before God saved us, made us alive, before He uh, caused us to be born again, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, walking according to this world, walking to the, according to our passions and desires. We were children of wrath like the rest of mankind, and we followed this, uh, the... Uh, we followed the spirit of disobedience. And so we all followed the devil. We all followed the world and we all followed our flesh. We were in bondage and slavery to the devil, the world, and our flesh. But God saved us and, and caused a union, a spiritual union uh, with Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.10 10 says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. That's what the Apostle Paul says. And let that be the same as us, knowing that, that any good work we do, that anything that we do, uh, following the Spirit of God, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's Christ empowering us to walk in newness of life, that we are, we are, what, we are His masterpiece. Uh, and what is the purpose of all of this? Ultimately, it's to the praise of His glorious grace. It's, it's to bring Him glory, that He would take uh, a vessel uh, a clay pot, as you would say, that he, uh, the Apostle Paul says that we are, and then he would put himself inside of it, and he would take out the heart of stone, Ezekiel 36 says, and he would put in a heart of flesh, and he would cause us to walk in obedience to his laws and his statutes. And it would be out of a heart of love, not out of a heart, heart of fear, saying, if I don't do this, I'm going to go to hell. We know that's not the gospel. The gospel is not that at all. It's that God chose you before the foundation of the world, the Father chose a people. The Son came into the world to redeem those people and the Spirit applied the work when you heard the gospel of your salvation. That's the, the heavenly view of salvation. Now, from our human view, we made, a, we, we made a decision. We absolutely did. I wanted Christ. I loved Christ. I, I believed in Christ, but the Bible says that I didn't love Him until He first loved me. Christ first loved me and then I loved Him. Right? It was never in me. And so it's all to the praise of His glorious grace. And we'll talk about um, election and predestination next week. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we love You. We praise You. We thank You. We thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for making us alive together with Christ. Now, God, I just pray that after we hear Your Word, we would take it in, that Your Spirit would illuminate it to us, that would press it down deep in our hearts, and it would change the way we live. It would change... Um, change our lives, God, more and more uh, being conformed to the image of your Son. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.